Welcome to the Stephen Mansfield Podcast. Welcome to the Stephen Mansfield Podcast. Let's get right to it. Unless you have been on Mars, you know that U.S. Supreme Court Justice Anthony Kennedy has resigned from the Supreme Court. His resignation was effective as of July 31st, or will be effective as of July 31st, as I record this in early July. And I'm telling you, this is a huge event. For a long time, Justice Kennedy has been the swing vote on the court. As you know, there are nine justices, and Kennedy was the fifth, so to speak. He was often between the conservative and liberal wings of the U.S. Supreme Court. He has penned some of the most decisive Supreme Court decisions on gay rights. Uh, He has held the line on abortion uh, rights and the legality of abortion, and now he has resigned. He's in his 80s. He's done. He's served well for decades. And uh, he's been, I think, a judicious and relatively wise man. I certainly didn't uh, didn't agree with a good number of his rulings. uh, But he is a man who has been a man of conscience and a man of the law. So this is going to radically change things. As you know, when Justice Scalia died, uh, Donald Trump appointed Justice Gorsuch, uh, and he has been a conservative justice, but it didn't change the balance of the court. Uh, If someone else had someone else had resigned or someone had died, Justice Ginsburg or Breyer or somebody else, uh, somebody on the left side, uh, while Trump is president, of course, that would have been an opportunity to change the balance of the court. We did not expect that Justice Kennedy would resign. He has. And now Donald Trump, maybe by the time you hear this, will have appointed uh, a new nominee. Now, I can assure you there's going to be a serious fight over this nominee because this man does change the balance of the court. This man, the the appointee, will be conservative. Everybody knows that. And it will make the court approximately five to four on most issues, a breakdown between conservative and liberal. And given that some of the liberal justices are getting quite old, Justice Ginsburg, healthy as she is, and as much of a pistol as she is, uh, is really up in age. uh, The fact is that uh, this is likely to be a real serious tipping of the court for quite some time. Given that Donald Trump has another couple of years on his first term, and there's not any evidence thus far that anybody's going to beat him for a second term, um, surely we're going to see at least one, if not two or three other justices uh, leave the court in the next uh, six years if Donald Trump again gets a second term. So it's a decisive moment. It's a critical moment. Uh, it's, it's a major move in that it removes this judicious, moderate swing vote on the Supreme Court. Now, There are many different justices being considered. Trump says he has a short list. He says it's the same list from which he drew Gorsuch. Uh, They are all conservative. Some of them are to the right of Gorsuch, some of them to the left, some of them to the right of Scalia, some of them to the left. But I'll tell you what we want. I'll tell you what we actually want. And, and, and here I'm, I'm giving you my American patriotic from the gut desire. I'm not speaking right wing or left wing. What we want is a justice who is about the law. We do not want a justice who believes it is the job of justices, the job of judges to create the law, 
to to pull meanings uh, for law or intentions or foundations from law out of thin air. We have had plenty of that kind of thing. When the Supreme Court ruled on Roe v. Wade, and they said that that that, this, that was the decision that legalized abortion at the federal level, um, and, and overruled about 30 state uh, laws that to the contrary, it said that it based that ruling on the right to privacy in the Constitution, and it said that it drew that doctrine of the right to privacy out of the emanations of the penumbras of the law. What the heck does that mean? What, what they were saying was it's not actually in the text. It's not actually there. Uh, it's not actually a guaranteed right. But it's in the emanations of the penumbras of the law. Oh my gosh, that's like saying the spirit, the aura of the law. Now, I'm not hard right wing and I'm not left wing. I I am really a moderate in the sense that I think there are good ideas on the left and good ideas on the right. And my politics draws from both. And I'll get into that at some other point. I've been talking about that for years. But what we need are people who are not engaged in what uh, the law schools call legal realism or sociological jurisprudence. That, that, that is the popular doctrine. It dominates many law schools. And it's the idea that, that law is whatever the judges say it is. Well, the role of judges is not to create the law. It is to interpret and apply the law. You shouldn't be able to create new laws. You shouldn't be able to create new ideas. That was never the intention of the Supreme Court. It was never the intention of the Constitution. It was never the intention of what courts were made to do. And some of the most destructive rulings that we've had on the U.S. Supreme Court have been made by people who were pulling law out of thin air or pulling them from non-legal sources. For example, there's a 1947 Everson case that took Thomas Jefferson's language about religion and, and, and the phrase separation church of church and state that was never in the U.S. Constitution. It was written in a private letter to a bunch of Baptists in Danbury, Connecticut in the first couple of years of the 1800s. It was a private letter. It was simply him expressing what his understanding of the First Amendment was. He wasn't even involved in the debates at the time. And in 1947, in the Everson case, the Supreme Court took Thomas Jefferson's private language in a private letter uh, from 150 years almost before and made it the law of the land. That's not what the Constitution said. It doesn't appear anywhere in the Constitution, but the Supreme Court fabricated a law and that law, badly written, has been bedeviling us ever since. We are living, we are inconsistent because in our national life about this issue, about the issue of religion in our public life, because we are, it, it, the Supreme Court gave us a terrible law because it tried to fabricate law on the basis of Thomas Jefferson's language in a private letter. I could go on and on and on. It's not right wing or left wing to say that what we need is judges not making the law, but interpreting the law that is on the books. And there are ways to amend the law, I need to say. Yeah, many of the founding fathers uh, believed that it was appropriate to have slavery. They lived at a time when that was the, the world, and I'm not justifying them. But we later changed those laws. That's what the 13th and the 14th Amendment are about. We changed those laws. Yeah, originally women did 
didn't get the vote. Now they do. You change the law. You 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 modify. You grow with uh, an understanding of what's just and fair and true and right. And you grow sometimes with an understanding of what's sociologically appropriate. In a society that doesn't educate women, you probably don't want women, want women to vote. But when women are are as educated or, or smarter at men about politics, uh, yeah, then it's time to give them the vote. Now, don't hear me saying I was ever in favor of women not voting. I'm just saying that was the prevailing understanding at the time. But we changed that. We gave 18-year-olds the vote. We, we, we changed uh, the, the, the things that many of the things that were offensive. So what we don't need are judges fabricating and creating laws where there's no text. We need judges not engaging in sociological jurisprudence, in other words, law that's based on societal whims or what's called legal realism. We need judges making, proclaiming, ruling based on what's already in the text. The the U.S. Constitution is a genius government. I'm sorry, genius document. And uh, we, we have a tremendous, rich body of law where brilliant people have wrestled with issues in our society. Sure, there are weirdness. Sure, there's a... There was a Justice Tanney uh, who, who didn't believe that blacks should have any rights. But we changed that. We booted that jackass out of office. And, and he, that's 150, 200 years ago now. Well, what, what's my point? My point is that what we need are, call them if you want to, conservative jurists, but left, right, or center jurists who are about the law. They're about the law. I, I got to tell you, I, I was listening to a debate um, in the Supreme Court recently and uh, Justice Kagan made a case for something. I could not believe what I was hearing. She literally said that a law uh, needed to remain in place that, that the Trump administration was suing to to alter because if they didn't, if, 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 they, if they changed the law, unions wouldn't be funded. Now, that law was not on the books. Uh, that, that, was, that was just a policy that the Trump administration was trying to change. And people were suing, the unions basically were suing to preserve that, that policy because it meant money in their pockets. And Justice Kagan made a case. She didn't say that, um, you know, hey, we, 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 we need to keep this law because it's consistent with a certain principle in the Constitution. Or she didn't make a case from, from, from the body of law and, and, and from the common law and from natural law and from the, uh, the American jurisprudence. No, no, no. She made she made a, her case, or at least her statements. She ranted on for 20 minutes on basically the idea that how would unions be funded? In other words, she believes unions are good things. They should be funded. Therefore, we should bend the laws so that that happens. That's, that's procedural. That's sociological jurisprudence. That's her ideological agenda being read into the law. There's no basis in law for required. Yeah, you probably know what the case is. The decision was, should people who aren't aren't in unions be required to fund them um, when, when they're in a certain industry. So if I'm a, if I'm a carpenter, do I need to pay a, the carpenter's union, even if I'm not in the carpenter's union, because they represent and make my situation, my work life better? And the answer was no. But Justice Kagan said, absolutely, because otherwise, how do unions get money? Well, that's just insane. So what's my point? Don't go hard left and hard right. Don't go pro-Trump or pro-Democrats uh, you know, in Congress. Let's have 
justices who build upon the law. We have nothing to fear from the law. We have nothing to fear from the genius of the Constitution. We have nothing to fear from uh, the common law, the canon of common law uh, in the Western tradition. These are wise. These are true. These have meant liberation for more people on the earth than any other system of law. There might need to be some modifications, but they do not need to be canned. They do not need to be sidestepped, and judges do not need to be left to create law out of their own value system or out of thin air. We've had plenty of that. It's partially ruined our country. It's time now for a restoration of the law. Stephen Mansfield is a New York Times bestselling author, a popular speaker, and a frequent faith and culture commentator on Fox and CNN. His groundbreaking books on faith and society include The Faith of George W. Bush, the Search for God in Guinness, Mansfield's Book of Manly Men, and Lincoln's Battle with God. Learn more at stephenmansfield.tv.